Hi, my name is Chobion and I'm your teacher. And my name is Martin and I'm your student. You're listening to Hidden by Design, a podcast about design for ordinary people, I guess. Are you calling me ordinary? For everyone. A podcast about design for everyone. We believe that the most pleasurable and best design is the design you don't see. That's why it's called hidden by design. And the kind of design that works without you noticing. Typically, if you notice that you don't notice the design, that's when you will notice that it's just a nice experience. Everything we say in the show is our own opinion and interpretation of current knowledge and how the trends are and what's happening and it's what we understand now we might be right we might be wrong but it doesn't really matter if you think we're wrong and you want to challenge what we're talking about or what we're saying or what i'm teaching then just write us because we hope to become better designers and smarter people and to use this in our everyday life thank you for listening Martin, do you remember what we're going to talk about today? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the, the perfect start to a podcast. <laughs> I'm coming exactly. in cold. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but that's like, like we're in luck because I actually remember what we're supposed to talk about today. Good. And today we're going to talk about something as exciting and sexy as constraints and conventions. So we're going to start with a, you know, a quote by a guy called Mark Twain. Some might have heard of him and some might not. And he says this wonderful thing that I absolutely love and I use it. I'm in favor of progress. It's change I don't like. And that kind of really digs into uh, how the brain works in terms of conventions and uh, constraints. And so we're going to reference, this is the reason Normally, typically, you will talk about affordance and then constraints and convention. But I felt that was necessary to just explain a little bit about how the brain works before we went on to constraints and conventions because it has a heavy influence on it. So we are going to talk about what constraints are today. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what conventions are. And then in the end, we're going to talk about a real example. Or we're going to try to explain it with a real example as like how it, it works. So what are constraints? Like we've all been handcuffed to the bed and feel <laughs> kind of constrained, haven't we? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but actually, that's one constraint. There's typically you split constraints into three. The physical constraint that is like that could be you know, being handcuffed or uh, that you're not big enough or that you're too big. All of the, the physical constraints that the world can can bring upon you, these are constraints that when we design, we have to think about. Right? It, there's, if, you know, if we want to make an alert button or a stop button, but we make it so difficult to push that, you know, you have to be a strong big person to push it, then, you know, it's no good. But if it's too light, then, you know, a breeze might click the button. So you have to, you have to understand the physical constraint of the emergency, but, uh, you know, button. Then you have logical constraint. 
And this is something where do I have, am I smart enough to work this out? Or can our users f figure it out? Like these are logical constraints. If, if there is no, you know, if there's no clue or no, no guidance in how we can, so that we can figure out things. It's like, you know, not to talk negative of anyone, but if you don't have enough cognitive, it's like, if you're not smart enough, some people are just not smart enough. And that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you design for mentally impaired people, for example, you have to take into, you know, account the logical constraints of whatever disability they have. And it's like for very intelligent people as well, they have some constraints as for well. The, for the yeah. logical constraints, there's a, a, a saying that's very, very popular or not in business at the minute where it's called imposter syndrome. So am I good enough to yeah. actually do this job? Um, yeah, that could be, it's like, actually that could be in self-imposed logical constraint is that if, you know, if you're imposter, so there's a whole section where we could talk about creativity and how it's like we could make an episode about and how imposter syndrome is actually good. It's like a very good for the creative and uh, creative process. However, if you take, if you take it too far, right? Imposter syndrome will then make you believe that you can't really do anything and then you give up. So if it gets, if it gets too violent that it, you know, it give, it makes you give up. And so that's a logical, self-imposed logical constraint. However, if you use it correctly or right, it's a very, very powerful tool of rethinking or re-evaluating your solutions, right? So if you don't have imposter syndrome, you're very confident and you will always just go with the first idea you have because, you know, so talking about like going back to the episode about the brain, the imposter syndrome is actually a really, really good thing to have for creative people. And you will see a lot of creative people have it because it it, it, it follows the way of thinking. It's like, it's a, it's, it's a very good way of thinking if you don't overdo it. It's like if you don't let yourself, but you reevaluate your things. Well, so that's what second logical constraint. And then we have the third one, which is cultural constraint. And this is where things get really interesting because a cultural constraint could be that we are reading from the left to the right. It could be, you know, within a culture of gamers, or it could be old people that look at the world in a specific way because they grew up. It's like, so we're not old. We're just not young. <laughs> so <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, damn it. <laughs> I'm not wearing diapers yet, so I'm not that old, but we're getting close. So, but, <laughs> but that's cultural co co constraint. And so just to make sure that we don't misunderstand the word culture here, it can actually mean anything. So it's not to a country culture. It is like, it could be, that is also a cultural constraint, but it's also a constraint of a mini, you know, if I'm part of a small group of people who meet every, you know, every day at five o'clock to, you know, watch birds, then I'm part of a culture. And all of this kind of leads into what's a convention because a convention is 
a part of the conscious life. It's one, it's a subsection of cultural constraints. And, and but it's a very important one. So I'm going to just go straight into conventions, which is a type of, you know, as I just said, a cultural constraint. And so this is where, you know, being old is, I don't like kids these days, like they have it too easy. And that comes from that idea that things works in a way that I'm comf it's like comfortable with. And, and so kids these days don't know what's good for them. Back in the good old days, things worked in a way that I understood. And so what's important to understand here is that now I'm part of a culture of people from a specific generation where things worked in a specific way that, you know, I'm comfortable with. And just, I think that's, that's very important to, if we go back to the brain, the brain likes things that it knows because then I use less energy. And so what kids do these days, you know, all through the ages, I believe from the Stone Age, kids these days don't understand how things used to work. And so that gives us a problem as old people because now we have to relate to a lot of new tech, a lot of new things, a lot of new music that we are not used to. And the brain doesn't like that. So if we go back from, you know, to conventions, I'm going to quote Don Norman again, because he wrote this in the Psychology of Everyday Things. It's like a very popular, very good book that everyone should read, I believe. It's also heavy. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's very heavy. Uh, but he writes that conventions is when a person or a group learned how an object of functionality works and uses this knowledge to understand how similar object works. So, and, and with that knowledge, you, it's like you can imagine what it is, you know, how it feels for old people where they learn how objects and things in the world actually works and all of a sudden it works differently. That's very fear-inducing. Could constraints be, uh, just to use a different word, because I'm coming in as someone who hasn't thought of constraints as anything other than being handcuffed to a bed. <laughs> yeah. Could you just say, like... <laughs> hurdles to overcome yeah so not necessarily to overcome it's like hurdles that just either prevent you from doing something or kind of put you in a box of what's possible and what's not possible that's a constraint and and that's why we want to split it into these three you know the physical it's like the actual the mental constraint it's like what am i able to figure out uh, and then the cultural constraint which is what did we learn and so i think that's that's where we go back to our last episode where we talked about the brain right we have the natural automatic parts and then on top of that we have the learned automatic part and then we have the reflective part and and this is where it's very very important to 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 just separate where you know, where the normal separated the automatic part into the natural automatic part and the learned one. Because when it comes to conventions and, you know, the cultural constraints, this is automatic learned part of the brain. So it's all of the things that were learned, how things are supposed to work. And as I just read, that is being used to understand how other objects are working 
also, as we talked about last time, is that the brain is really, really good at making things up, right? But it always makes things up depend. It's like related to the situation it's in right now. So it doesn't make things up. It makes things up. So we talked about the yellow car, right? I'm being robbed. There's yellow car, and tomorrow, the car in my mind turned blue. The reason why it turned blue is that it can't remember what color the car was, but it's making it up in the context of the the situation where where the brain believes that things are supposed to, you know. So that's the cultural, that's a cultural constraint, the convention that dictates that with everything I know, everything that's in my automatic part of the brain, and from what I know from previous. That car, in that situation, should be blue, and so the brain makes that up, and that's where all of our conventions lies in the automatic learned part of the brain. Does it get worse in high stress situations? So that's that someone is being interviewed very quickly after the event by the police. Well, what color was the car? That's where the brain is like. So it it doesn't have to make things up because it actually still remembers it. They haven't deleted it yet.、Mm. So things are clearer, as well as you know the traumatic experience. So so that's where you get the right information. It's right after. Yes, it's like straight after. But、uh, you know, after a day, the brain have already started deleting stuff. So so when we talk about conventions here, it's you know it's all of the things that we learned based on what culture we're in. Who we are with and how things normally work, and we use that to understand how new things work. So going back to old people actually is where it feels really bad. I joke a lot every day about being old because I, I really don't like it, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also trying to be very aware of this because all of the new things that are happening today is different from when we grew up. Right.、Mm. It just if you look at the phones, there's no longer, you know, rotating. What do they call it? Like flip phones and was it ra- razor、uh, phone or something? Maybe I am a lot older than you. <laughs> you know the old days when you had like this、uh, rotating oh, ro- round. Oh, the rotary du- rotary phones. Yeah. Oh, we used to have one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so if you just think about how the phones evolved from that time to now. I remember when the mouse was introduced. I thought it was horrible. Why the? Why would you ever need a mouse for a computer? It works just fine without it. I thought it was a silly, stupid. You can do everything with a joystick. I actually did everything with a keyboard, <laughs> and and <laughs> joystick was also kind of <laughs> lame. <laughs> But I understood that joysticks were good for flight simulators and stuff like that. But every time something new is introduced, that changes how things are. The brain will automatically resist because we don't understand it, and that's because new conventions are being formed or new things, right? So Microsoft is moving the you know the the Windows button from the lower left corner to the middle of the screen. They change the way buttons look. And they're trying to create new conventions, so they are creating new conventions. It's like if I asked you on a web page where you should look for the search. Uh, uh, well, top right, I think. Yep, top right corner. That's because Amazon, all sorts of different things. But if I say Google,、mm-hmm. you will go 
bang in the center. Exactly. And and that's like that's an example of a convention is if I say, you know, look for the search bar on the screen, you will go top right corner. That's where you look first because that's where you're used to things being. That's more or less it. There isn't really that much like well, we have to think about when we design or when we actually interact with things normally in everyday life is that what people are used to is what they like the best because they need less energy to understand how it works. And when we create new things, it's like when you when you make a new speak or uh, we design a new object, we have to understand how the people who is going to use or listen to that piece of, of, of sound, how they are normally interpreting the world because that's going to make it that's when someone says, oh, that's intuitive. That's because we're leaning on conventions and affordances. It's like intuition is a, a combination of affordances and uh, conventions. I, I was just going to pick up on um, like what you were saying about the audio there. And it's, it's, it's all to do with like uh, tailoring for the audience. Um, that's that's how I, you know, in doing what I do, voiceover. That's how we would we would look at your tailoring, what you're doing for for the listener and the world that they are in when they're buying that product or or you know or interested in that service or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. And 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 to add to that, right? So if you, for example, everyone in, you know expects an introduction because all p- podcasts, for example, have an introduction. Everyone expects that there's not, it's like, because everyone, and obviously there's reasons for an introduction being there because then you're prepared and it's good design to, to prepare you, your listener to what's, you know, about to happen. But if you drastically change that, either it would be very weird, it's going to sound wrong to the user, or it's going to be something where your challenge is like depending on your audience, right? But, but in, in, in general, you want to tab into what people already know. And so that's where the question about what about innovation then? <laughs> How do you invent something new and people really like it? What every time something new, and that's where we you know go into there's a new problem that needs to be solved or that people who want to invent new things typically think that they have to reinvent everything. And that's a common mistake. So if we talk about, you know, things that's that's commonly misunderstood when it comes to new invention or innovation, is that everything have to be new. You want to have a lot of conventions and affordances thought into your new solution, and then you want to change a few things, innovate on a few things. Because if you change everything and everything works new, no one will be able to understand it. It's gonna feel really, really bad and you're gonna go straight to the the reflective part of the brain and just say that's all you're gonna to need to, to operate this new object that's very innovative. I, I guess a, a, an example of that then would be something like mobile phones. Each time a new one comes out, it's slightly, well, they say better, but slightly changed, but most of it is still the same. So people still know how to pick it up and use it, but also learn a few new things each time. So it's a gradual progression rather than this is completely different. Exactly. And, and understanding, uh, understanding all of these new things. And, and, and sometimes there's a, yeah, there's one or two new things. And, and it's all 
you know, the need to solve a problem might be bigger than, you know, the, the con conventions and the constraints that, that we put the user in. And I guess that's, that's where, you know, the motivation to learn, the motivation to learn is based on the problem. It's like the size of the problem I need to solve. So if I want to learn something new, we can get around conventions by saying the need to do this is bigger than the need to immediately understand it. And so that's when, you know, we, we, we can actually push something. There's also the, the being part of actually a group or a culture where everyone uses, this is how I got my first flip phone. <laughs> Because I, I was like, I only had landline and I thought this mobile phone is stupid. I don't need it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I realized that everyone in my cultural or my social group was having mobile phones. And whenever we had like an agreement or something, I would go there. And if someone canceled or said that they would be late, everyone got used to just, we were all used to before mobile phones to prepare ahead of time and say, all right, I'm going to miss it. I need to reach that person before he leaves home so I can just tell him I'm going to be late. But that was no longer necessary except for with me. So everyone would always forget me and I would just stand there and wait for people who would try to call me and they wouldn't get anyone because I only had a landline. So I had to get a mobile phone. But that's, you know, that's a part, that's an example of then the necessity, the problem that I need to solve becomes bigger than the convention or what I'm trying to, to overcome. If we go back to the desert where we had the wall with a hole in it, we want to add stuff to that wall. We want to add to the design of it. And now we want to add something that taps into conventions of a specific user group. And I think that's where it's like if you need to know who you're designing for or who you're making audio for or whatever you're making because that enables you to understand the conventions that they are used to and that they expect and so you can you can add it so there's a hole in the wall and there's a door in that hole now we place a, a door in it then next to that hole with the door we add two buttons a red button and a green button and at the bottom of the door we add a stripe of yellow and black colors, like, mm -hmm. what do you call it? These, like hazard uh, lines. Yeah, exactly, a hazard line. So now we are sending a lot of signals that if you are not used, like if you don't have a cultural understanding of what green, the green button and the red button means, you wouldn't be able to actually operate the door. You would have to go trial and error. But because we have some cultural uh, conventions about how things work, I guess, like, I'm going to ask you, what do you think happens if you press the green button? Well, I think the door, the door would open and it, we would go through the hole. Yeah, exactly. And the red button. I've played computer games. I think, well, I, what I would like to happen would everything would blow up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And maybe that's further enforced by the hazard line at the end of right something bad might happen if you click the red one maybe it will you know make the door slam down or 
something like that. So, so there's a lot of different signals that we are sending. So now we are combining affordances, which is the wall and the hole in the wall, with conventions, which is you know I can, I can open or close this door. I probably there's something dangerous behind it, and there's a red button, which is probably an emergency close or something like that. And so that's a that's an example of a, of a convention. There's other things like when I'm out traveling, there's a thing that's always confusing the hell out of me, and that's light switches. Here in Denmark, light switches that are down is on and up is off, and it works this everywhere in Denmark. So you just like you can just look at a light switch and you would know if it's on or off. Or or you could look at the light itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's too easy. <laughs> so, but typically that's a good that you will look at the light is on here, but it's off there, and there's two lights. Which one should I use? I use the one that's off, right? And when I go to a different country, it feels opposite. Playing the guitar or music in general also kind of creates some conventions, right? If you learn to play the guitar. And the tones, or you know, it's the uh, E A D G H E, right? E E A D G B E. Is it H in? Yeah, G B. Yeah, yeah, H. Yeah, sorry. That you've just invented a new note, haven't you? <laughs> nah, I think actually in Denmark we have H and B is oh, kind of okay. the same. So we have both, but it's the same. And uh, I heard like that's actually that's a good convention. So someone, at some point, was having very poor handwriting, and their B looked like an H, and then it kind of picked on. Mm. <laughs> so, so, but learning to play the guitar, then you know, ukulele or bass or anything else that have strings starts to get easier because you're learning it, and it becomes conventions like how. You know where the deep tones and where the high tones, right? It, and so you have this understanding. If you mix them up completely different and randomly, it would become more difficult. Uh, uh, driving at the left or the right side of the road is also a convention. You go to a country where they drive in the wrong side of the road, then it's you know all wrong. Numbers is another example. It's like miles or kilometers, inches and centimeters. All of these things, you know, are things that I'm used to. Things being a specific way, and when I hear about different ways of, of interpreting it, it, it feels wrong. I'm done. I have nothing more to talk about. Of the episodes, that was one of the easier ones to to grasp because it's so, it, it, like, logical and, and rooted in actually everyday life. I think maybe also because now we understand, so you know, we understand a little bit about affordances. We understand the brain, and we understand what design is. So now things should be easier because we've put down the groundwork for understanding. And yeah, these these are very. We're gonna go. We're gonna go out on a tangent next time oh, as well. Good lord! <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> I believe that next time we will be talking about flow. Amazing! I'm looking forward to this. Actually, now you've mentioned the word flow, because I started to read a book specifically about voiceover, but that spoke about getting into flow as well. And I wonder now、yes. whether it might be a similar, a similar thing. So it is. 
It absolutely is. And, uh, and I'll explain what it is and how it works and how you can get into flow. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. See you soon.